welcome to the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me, of course, is the rookie, Chris Stashu. I'm just here filling in for fish today, and then I'll disappear for two episodes, and then I'll come back. Glad to have you. Just please don't annoy me with a lot of really weird questions. Oh my god, you didn't like Landsberg, huh? Not this first appearance. Well, second appearance. Right. Well, what, third appearance? He wasn't Dietrich in that first one. But it technically still counts, though. Yes, of course. He was there. He Don't tell me he wasn't there. He was there. It has happened! I watched it happen! I saw it happen! Don't tell me it didn't happen! What was he playing in that episode? The guy who was pretending to be a Bible salesman? Yes, yeah, he was pretending okay, to be I a thought. priest. Yeah. yeah, Bible salesman, priest, same difference. On this episode, we were talking about three episodes of Barney Miller. We were talking about Bus Stop, which was released October 14th, 1976. The Election from October 21st, 1976, just a couple weeks before the election. And Werewolf. Yes, this is their Halloween special because it was released October 28th, 1976. And Chris, what did you think of these three episodes? They're three good yet distinct episodes, but I think the werewolf episode tries to eat its cake and have it too. And I'm not a huge fan of that with a show like this. And, and it's a, it's kind of its own thing. I thought these were good. What about you? Overall good? Yeah, overall good. I thought it was very funny how, and we'll talk about this more next time, in this batch of episodes and in the next batch of episodes, there are countdowns. So in this one, it is the countdown till midnight for the one guy to turn into a werewolf. And in the in the next batch, we'll talk about one where the world's going to end at 530. These episodes felt a little bit more topical than normal, especially the election one felt very topical. And then there's there's even a thing about vaccines in this. Yeah. When I was watching it last night, I was like, are you fucking serious? That was so weird, especially because we just got through with the quarantine episode. And here yeah. we are with a, another very topical episode <laughs> talking about vaccinations. I didn't know what to think when all of a sudden they were talking about Wojohowicz was like, I don't want to get vaccinated. It's like, oh, God, like, oh, no. <laughs> why, why is this invading Barney Miller? <laughs> Well, it's funny. I mean, obviously, you know, you were comparing Wojo to like a QAnon person last time. Right, right. But I realized that Wojo, his role is to be such a foil. Because I was just thinking about the episode Fear of Flying, where he had to take the bigamist to another state and he doesn't want to be on an airplane because he's afraid. And this one, he doesn't want to get a vaccine because he's afraid of needles. And it's like... Okay, is he just going to be afraid of everything? Is that the thing? Like, here's this big, tough Marine who's just afraid of stuff. Wojo, it feels like he's becoming less of a character and more of just like a, a roaming punchline. In this first episode, Bus Stop, and this is the second full appearance of Dietrich, and here he's actually in the station house the full time. It's not that weird thing where he goes to Fish's house or apartment and there's the fake <laughs> Bernice there. Right, right. I'm forgetting what his character is. So, like, I was thinking the other day, like, okay, you know, Wojo is the everyman, I'll say. I'll say, you know, we've got Nick with the coffee, we've got Fish with the bathroom, we've got Harris with the suits and the writing, I don't remember what Dietrich's thing is, but I'm thinking that he's just scary smart, maybe? 
or he's dry. Everybody's got a thing, right? And I think Dietrich's thing is just, I guess it's like he's the dude that doesn't really feel like a cop. That's the cop. I don't know. Like, he talks about in this episode, he's like, oh, yeah, I was into medicine and all that. And it's like, or is that this episode or is that another? That's yeah, this one. Yep. Okay. And and so he talks about how he's into medicine and how he was, you know, studying to be a doctor and then not anymore. And I think that's what they're going for is like, this is the accidental cop almost. Because like you said, he's like scary smart. Like he just doesn't, he doesn't seem like he is there. I don't know. You know, what's actually funny. I'm thinking about this now. The thing that I really stood out about him, he feels way younger than the rest of them. And, and it feels like he is like the young blood along with Ron Harris to be in there to kind of play as the foil to Lyndon and Vagoda. You know, Max Gales, Wojohowicz is kind of the same thing. But Wojohowicz is just, again, I like what Max Gale does with the character, but I just think the character is like too comedic for his own good. And it's getting more and more cartoony. He's getting cartoony. Like, it's just, I don't understand it. He has the best jacket I have seen in forever. Like I'm talk I'm not talking about like a, a dress coat. I'm talking about like just a regular outside jacket. When he walks into the station house and he's just got it's it is a coat of many colors, let's just yeah. say. And it is gorgeously ugly. You know, you, you mentioned kind of just this episode in general and this like introduction of Landsberg. There's like a bunch of characters you have to keep straight in this episode, too. The fact that it's called the bus, it's bus stop is because like a busload of people essentially stop in the precinct. And you I mean, I think the best episode, the gag of this episode is Fish's bathroom trips where he keeps coming out. Abe Bogota's comic timing is just God, I would kill to have his comedic timing. This episode is interesting, too, in that we've got. Candy Azara coming back. She was in another episode, and I'm trying to remember her character. Like she, she tried to kill somebody, I think, and it was just yeah. And it was like, well, what's the big deal? And then I can't remember what the other episode was, but they had a bunch of women, kind of tough women, brought into the station. Prostitutes, was, maybe I think. Uh, I don't think was it were, the, was it the was it that episode where it's all the. Escorts? No, it's uh, it's the one where there was a woman who maybe she fought back against her purse snatcher. Because what I'm talking about, the the person I'm trying to get to yes. is the old lady who's sitting at Wojo's desk, and she's made up to look older in this one. Florence Halep. Yeah, and she's got that voice, you know, speaking of Candace of Azara, but this is a little bit of a different voice. And, yeah, talking about her dead husband and his muscular thighs. <laughs> she wanted a little bit of Wojo. She sure did. Yeah, the big one. The big one. <laughs> big one. And I guess another Wojo thing is that he keeps trying to take that damn sergeant's exam, and he mentions it's the fourth time, and I think we've seen every time that he has failed that exam. And I guess we're going to see how many more times, because he's never going to be sergeant. Really? Oh, man. I guess? I don't know. Spoiler alert. I don't know. I guess maybe if he became sergeant, he would still stay at the precinct. My assumption was if he became sergeant, he wouldn't be at the precinct anymore. That's when number one gets his own spaceship. Yeah, I was about to say, you are number six. You are not a number, I'm a man! Overall, a decent episode, though. 
Yeah, there's some interesting characters. There's the guy who I could tell right off. I was like, oh, he's going to claim Whiplash, and Dietrich's asking him all these questions. I was like, okay. In our next batch, we're going to talk about a bystander who doesn't stop a crime, and in this one, at the end, nobody wants to file charges against the guy right. that stuck up the bus. It's very strange. I, I didn't. I, I wasn't really following the joke. Like, what's the joke that people ultimately don't really want to be inconvenienced by things? Which is fine. I mean, I guess that's funny. It didn't make me laugh. It was just kind of weird. Like, it was one of the things that the show does sometimes, where it tries to toe the line in being serious. It's like, come on, you don't you know your civic duty? Sometimes the show just kind of maybe deviates from the comedy a little bit and it doesn't always land like with the Gregory Sierra stuff at the beginning of the or the end of the first season where he's having that kind of crisis of faith after he shoots the guy that worked really well but then you have something like this where it's just it's kind of goofy it's a little dorky it feels a little ham-fisted because again like all the characters are either like cheating on their significant others or just like outright weirdos and so you're just like, maybe just let these people go away so you never have to deal with them again. For the love of God, like, please take my wife. No, really, take my wife. So let's move on to election, which uh, this was the the hot topic, 1976. Who's going to take the White House? Ford or Carter, right? Because Ford was just, I mean, while well, he uh, was that whole weird situation where he became president because of Nixon's resignation and... Who was it? The uh, Rockefeller, or I can't remember who his VP was. So it was like that whole, like, let's test that whole oh, line yeah. of secession thing. Hi, Homer. I'm Gerald Ford. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I think of with Gerald Ford is, you know, essentially fake Homer Simpson from The Simpsons. So, and then Jimmy Carter, according to CNN, is the rock and roll president. Sure. Okay. Sure. I look, I love Jimmy Carter, but I love Jimmy Carter because he just seems like a good person. I, you know what I really love about this episode, Mike, as I'm sure you do? Uh, Brett Summers. I thought you were going to say uh, the fact that Ron Harris is apparently a Republican. That was weird, <laughs> man. Uh, what? The only, person, the only, the only African American character that's you know consistently in the show is a Republican, and then they get to tell us why he's what is the funniest shit I've ever seen. It's so bizarre. Yeah, that was weird. I mentioned brett summers i love brett summers and she shows up again i think she was in the stakeout episode so i was happy to see her there and here she is again i think this might be her last appearance but she is the woman who throws the toilet seat out of the apartment because her husband won't let her out to vote because she doesn't know how to vote she doesn't has no idea about the issues or the the platforms nothing and I can kind of empathize with her husband. Just lock her up because her vote's just going to undo mine. Hashtag lock her up, bro. Really? You just dropped that one on this podcast? What about Brett's emails? You know, what's funny about this episode is, again, it felt like having just gone through the election cycle that we all went through, which was, uh, for my lifetime, the worst fucking election cycle known to man. Just wait four more years, buddy. We'll see how bad it gets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. But like watching this, it, it just feels so like genial, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel so kind of quaint? 
feels kind of quaint, like, oh, are you voting for? Like, we can have a somewhat civil discussion, but yet at the same time, we can't because this guy locked his wife in the fucking bathroom. Things really aren't different. Things have always been like this. Yeah, they've always been pretty fucked up. Nick has no idea who he's going to vote for because he wants to vote for who's going to win according to the odds, I guess. Right. And, and he's trying to, like, place money on the election. <laughs> Because I guess Nick's thing is that he makes bad coffee and that he's always gambling? They've made a lot of references to the horses and stuff, but... That's not a character, though. That's not a character trait. That's just like, he can be on the phone with his bookie all the time, is what right. it boils down to. And that's all it is, kind of. And hey, Chris, we have a Luger alert. It's Luger! 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 Luger is here! What are the guys doing in here? Who voting for what? It's like, what are you wandering from, James Gregory? And he's stomping for some guy named Schofield, who ends up with 8,000 votes at the end. Cuomo is what it sounded like. Mm-hmm. Barney, when I, he wins, I'm gonna be police commissioner. Oh, never mind. It's just like this, sh this show. <laughs> the show, the syndication, the syndicated nature of this show cracks me up. Because it, like, shows through the cracks all the time. Just like, these characters are never going to progress most of the time. <laughs> so it's just, you see Luger and you're like, what's, what's, how are they going to work the gag in? And then it's funny. I mean, again, he just like jumps off the train at the end. My favorite part of this episode is the guy that Wojohowicz arrests and then gets away. And then he puts himself back in the cell and he's like, I was an evading arrest. The panty stealer. The panty stealer. Yeah, that was good. And I liked this Wojo line in here. I liked where he went. That was good. When you have the character's strengths being played to, the show really, like, hums along. But when you get these, like, really weird moments where the show is just trying to go for a cheap laugh, I just don't get it. Because the show really is operating at its best when it's written smart. And it's written smart most of the time. I mean, the show is really well written. For a show in 76, you know, it's really well written and again it holds up really well and again it even feels topical too which is the funny part because it's not intending to feel topical for now it's intended to feel topical in 76 but it feels topical now when the show really taps into that human nature comedy it really is just it's you can't beat the comedy in the show sometimes so moving on to werewolf we have kenneth tiger as the titular werewolf and this guy He's got one of those faces. You know, we've talked about the character actors that come and go in this show, and this guy's been around forever. Viewers who are, you know, maybe in their, like, 30s might best remember him as the guy who would not kneel to Loki in Germany in the first Avengers film. Not to men like you. There are no men like me. There are always men like you. Look to your elder people. That's how long this guy's been around. Isn't it kind of crazy that that guy's been working this long? I think it's pretty awesome, but yeah. Because yeah. like the last thing I saw him in was Hunters. That like weird Netflix show that I watched three episodes of and then like didn't watch any more of. Was that Netflix or was that Amazon? Was that the one with Al Pacino? Yeah, that was the Pacino... Nazi killer show. I think that was Amazon because they were advertising yeah. in movie theaters for whatever reason. Amazon I see Netflix. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, it's yeah, it is it. You're you're completely right. I misspoke. It's Amazon Prime, oh, it's which is fine. why I didn't finish it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, realistically, like who watches stuff on Amazon Prime? Like, what is there to watch on Amazon Prime? There's a lot of stuff, but they just that interface just sucks so bad. They could have everything on there and I would have zero interest in watching it. Oh yeah. The only good thing about Amazon Prime for me other than Ms. Maisel, the only thing that I like is that they tie in to IMDb, so then you're on IMDb, and you have to very specifically look at that button, because a lot of times it'll say, available on Amazon, and you're like, oh, cool, and no, they mean buy the DVD, dickwad, but available on Amazon Prime, different thing, and then I think I've started to see them say available on Netflix, but that seems like they would be traitors if they did that. Trader scum. Don't advertise anything else. Because I think Amazon owns IMDb. Oh, yeah. No, they do, because I have IMDb Pro, as do you. And you can use uh, your Amazon account to log into IMDb Pro now. And that's a recent thing. That's like last five years, because when we had when like when I started my podcast, you started yours before mine. You were using IMDb Pro and a IMDb Pro login. And so did I for a while. Now it's Amazon. So Sucking in everybody, man. Amazon's just taking it over. Big dog Bezos and his horrifying visage of whatever he is. What I see the other day that that outrageous number that is the budget of the Lord of the Rings show is still less than it cost Bezos to buy his yacht. With a secondary yacht attached to it. <laughs> his yacht has a support yacht. It does? Yeah. Just in case one breaks down? Well, yeah, you have to have, like, it's like Russian nesting dolls. <laughs> Russian nesting Yachts yacht. within yachts within yachts. I see yachts within yachts. <laughs> yachts I within see, yachts. I see two great houses. <laughs> <laughs> yachts within yachts. You must share with us. Is Ron Harris's character unable to be written realistically in these last two episodes? Because now you have him being a Republican in the last episode, which is not believable for the character as he's been written up until this point. And now you have him as like this kind of like guy who doesn't know when no means no. Yeah. Yeah. He was a little rapey with Nurse Julia. Yeah. A lot rapey. It was. And the issue is, it's just like it felt out of character. I agree. I was just like, come on, dude. Enough. Just yeah. knock it off. She doesn't want to date you. And then at the end of the episode, they have the they have their cake and eat it, too. It's like, really, it, it, like that kind of comedy doesn't make sense to me because you can't shine a light on what he's doing for laughs, but also understand that, like, that's not OK. And then have her go with him at the end anyways. It's, it's just it's lazy writing. And again, there's no need for it. Her the interactions that she has with the other characters is funny enough. Like, her interactions with Wojohowicz are really funny, because this is the whole he's afraid of getting vaccinated episode. Her interaction with Nick, where she's like, have you ever had jaundice? She not realize he's Asian? I didn't understand that joke, because don't forget, last season, we talked about how he looked like he had jaundice in an episode. That's true. And that's what I didn't understand. Like, are they poking fun at the fact that he looked like he had jaundice a year ago on the show? I'm guessing it's just that he looks a little yellow-skinned. Because he's Asian. His character is an Asian character in the show. This is not the episode with the Yamamoto joke. I think that's going to be Correct. what we're talking about. 
I'll say that we are going to talk about an episode next time we talk that is very similar to this where we have guy in the cage. In this case, it's uh, Kenneth Tigar, and he's like, hey, I'm going to turn into a werewolf. Bad things are going to happen. And then they call for the men in the white suits to come pick him up. Bellevue is really popular on this show. Very popular. It feels like the option where you send characters that you don't want to put in prison, so you just send them to the you know, the quote-unquote loony bin or whatever they would have called it then. It's weird that I'm like picking up on it a lot. It just feels like a constant, like, just send him to Bellevue. They do it, like, two more times, right? I mean, it was such that I knew what Bellevue was when I was a kid from shows like this, where it's just like, oh, yeah, Bellevue, that's the mental Bellevue Institute. a real place? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I did, I didn't, I, I don't know. I guess I should have assumed so, since this show talks about Sing Sing all the time. Yeah, there was a guy that they locked up in Bellevue, I think his, his name was, like, Arthur or something. He went on a talk show and killed this guy... He, he was very similar to like Johnny Carson. Yeah, it was, it was a bad scene. Bad movie. Bad movie too. You making a Joker reference? Yes, I am. Okay. Did you see my eyes like glaze over for a second? I was like trying to figure out if that's what you were doing, but I was hoping to God that, that, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I caught it. Is it lazy that they do that though a bunch on this show? Is it lazy or is it just a cheap out to send people not to prison? I think it's kind of the cheap out. Yeah, you don't want to lock people up. And this is, remember, we actually still had funding for mental health and stuff. Like, obviously, not the best mental health in the world kind of thing. But at least we had institutions and we had psychiatric hospitals and group homes and things like that. That's before Reagan came in and just slashed all those budgets and this were trickled away yeah just kind of put people out on the street and then we wonder why we have crazy people that are homeless well that's because they're on drugs and then we put spikes on benches so they can't sleep on them that horse is a junkie (laughs) bing 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 horse junkies i don't like them i wonder what the show is going for with the fuller characters where they're like, this city is a nightmare. Like, are you actively trying to make sure people don't visit New York show? <laughs> we were getting robbed in the taxi that we took from the airport. And I do like how they make another Carl Malden joke here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Carl never mentions that. Yeah, and I was very surprised about it being a uh, epidemic of uh, swine flu. Because right. that was... The H1N1 virus was such a big deal. When was that? 2008, right? Like, right after the election, I think. That's how we ended up getting a very cheap vacation to uh, Cancun, was because uh, we got there right as they were opening the country back up, and there was nobody at the resort. Oh, nice. Fucking great. H1N1. I forgot. Yeah, it was weird. Like, I didn't, again, I didn't realize that swine flu had been a thing. Other than when it was already a thing. And here they had a vaccine ready to go. It's like, all right, good. And Wojo says, no, I don't want to get vaccinated. And what does Barney say? It's not just for you. It's for all of us, man. If you don't want to listen to the CDC and you don't want to listen to everybody, you know who you'll listen to? Hal Linden. Trust the man with the stash. That's what, you know what they need to do? Let's call up Hal Linden's people and say... For all the folks that are in their 70s and 60s right now that don't want to get vaccinated, that don't listen to anybody, let's get Hal Linden to reprise Barney Miller for a a PSA about getting vaccinated. 
And Max Gale's still alive, too, so they could reprise their roles. They're, like, literally the only ones left. Is uh, the gentleman who plays the other Carrie, or is that his character's Ron name? Ron Carrie? I don't think he's with us anymore. Oh, man. Man. Yeah, just get them to do a PSA. Hey, I don't want to listen to anybody. Listen to Barney Miller. He knows what he's talking about. Just reenact this scene. Yeah, you should listen to your friend Barney Miller. He's a cool dude. Get vaccinated. Barney Miller. <laughs> All the other, like, if like 20-year-olds come across, like, what the fuck is this? Who are these Who old people? Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. Who is this old mustachy old man? <laughs> Hal Linden's still with us, still working. Give that man a job. Don't let him be in any more weird Christian comedies. Or, uh, what is it, Granddaddy Daycare? Yeah, he deserves better, folks. He deserves better, but does he want more than that? Might be an easy paycheck. It's very clear to me, I don't know if it's clear to you in these three episodes and definitely in the next three, they're really starting to phase out Abe Vigoda. Well, we'll talk about it next month when we come back for another episode of the Life and Times of Captain Bernie Miller podcast. As always, I want to thank John Walker for our theme song. I want to thank you, Chris. Chris, what's going on over at the Culture Cast this month? Talking Indian cinema. Yes, movies with subtitles. So, yeah. <gasps> oh, God. Subtitles don't make me read. Don't make me engage my brain more than being able to look at my phone and listen to it. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Indian cinema. So if that's a thing you're into or if you've never seen any, we're talking about Indian cinema films. You can find that at CultureCast.com and you can find me on the Internet at cstashu.com. That's my link tree. That's where you should go to find me. Mike, what about the projection booth? What's going on in the projection booth right now? Oh, it is such a grab bag month. It's kind of crazy. We're getting ready for Sci-Fi June. It was Sci-Fi July, but we had so many movies that we wanted to cover. I needed a month with five Wednesdays rather than just four. So getting ready for that. And then, yeah, just been doing a whole bunch of uh, request episodes over at the projection booth, including... One with you, my friend, where we talk about Gone in 60 Seconds, both the 1974 and later film. With Mondran, Mondran, Monian, what's his name? Madrian? Madrian Pace? Madrian Pace. Yeah. Mandrain. 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 There's Gone in something, and not in 60. With the Mandalorian. With the Mandalorian Pace. It is the way. Well, thank you to everybody for listening. Please uh, rate and review us over at uh, iTunes or wherever you get this podcast. That would be fantastic. And we'll see you again next month. Mm-hmm.